Hello, friends. You're listening to the Sound Off Podcast. My name is Nate Laux, and I'm your host. Sound Off is a community conversation show that airs each Monday and Friday live on 96.7 The Eagle in LaPorte, Indiana. And while podcasts don't allow for live interaction, we are still grateful to have you listening and engaged. So please help us out by subscribing and rating the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening from. Share the podcast with your friends and enjoy today's conversation. Hello, friends. Today is Friday, December 17th, and you're listening to Sound Off on 96.7 The Eagle. We're just about eight days away from Christmas, getting excited. I know you are as well. My name is Nate Laux, and it's an honor to be your host today. Um, we've got in the studio soon, he's on his way, recently elected state senator Rodney Paul Jr. Not here yet, So, uh, but fortunately, we've got on this day in history first. But if you've got a question for state senator Rodney Paul, if you've got an opinion or anything or question, sorry, uh, you're welcome to call the Liquor Vault on airline or text me 219-362-0522 or email me at soundoff at 967theagle.com. Now, Rodney Pohl is, uh, maybe you might not know, Rodney Pohl was recently elected into Karen Talion's uh, former district uh, there that is on the west side of LaPorte County, Michigan City, Westville, Western LaPorte, kind of by Panola, that area. If you're in that area, then he is your state senator, Chesterton, Burns Harbor, Portage, Town of Pines, Long Beach, all of that. So we're going to talk about, we're going to talk to him as soon as he gets here, but first, on this day in history. It was on September 17th, 1963, that one of the first major pieces of environmental legislation in the United States became law. The Clean Air Act empowered federal and state agencies to research and regulate air pollution, marking a major expansion of government efforts to fight back against the damage being done to the climate. A 1955 law, the Air Pollution Control Act, had allocated $15 million to the study of air pollution across the country. As the federal government and the states conducted this research, it became clear that further legislation would be needed. After passing through Congress relatively swiftly, a stronger act was signed into law on September 17, 1963 by President Lyndon B. Johnson, who had been in power for less than a month following the assassination of John Kennedy. Can you imagine legislation getting done that quickly after a new president anymore? The Landmark Act is it's subsequently uh, called in amendments. Updates were passed in 1967, 1970, 1977, and 1990, comprised some of the most comprehensive air quality legislation in the world. Shortly after its creation in 1970, the EPA began using its powers under the CAA to set quality standards for areas affected by air pollution and has subsequently been invoked to ban specific harmful chemicals and tackle uh, specific environmental problems such as acid rain or the chloro CFCs, essentially. I'm not going to try to pronounce that. I'm, 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 I'm just kind of an idiot, which directly contributed to the hole in the ozone layer. Though there is a very long way to go, uh, national emissions dropped 63% between 1980 and 2015. I love seeing legislation that actually does what it's supposed to do. Despite overall economic growth and an increase in the number of miles driven over that time, thanks largely to the provisions of the Clean Air Act and its successors. And that, friends, is on this day 
in history. Our guest today is Rodney Paul Jr. He is in the studio. He made it to the <laughs> maze of the Port Indiana. Let me introduce Rodney real quick. He's an attorney in Chesterton. He's the newly elected state senator that took over from uh, Karen Talian's position. He represents uh, an area that includes Westville, Michigan City, Western LaPorte County, Chesterton, Burns Harbor, Portage, Town of Pines, Long Beach, that area, Northern uh, LaPorte County as well. Um, he has his law degree from Indiana University in Indianapolis. He earned his bachelor's degree from IU in Bloomington, which my family would be happy to hear. Um, grew up in Chesterton, uh, born as a, uh, from uh, immigrant parents, correct? Or uh, Well, my grandfather was first generation. Uh, my, my grandfather's first generation Mexican. My uh, my grandfather on my father's side came from, straight from Puerto Rico, and, and you know, they both went straight into uh, the Army. They both served. Uh, this country, uh, you know, very, very proudly, and then ended up uh, in the region for the good-paying union, uh, you know, steelworking job. So they both worked at local 10, or they both were local 1010 members at uh, USW uh, at Inland Steel. And then you're also the city attorney for Gary. Yeah, yeah, I've been the city attorney there for seven years. All right. Well, I want to talk about a couple things before we, in our our time left, and and we'll have to have you back sometime, but... um, you know, you just got caucused in, and you've been there for, what, less than a month? Uh, two months. Two months. Just now. less than two months. You've got your first legislative session that's coming up here in uh, uh, just a couple weeks, um, and it's going to be a short session, which for our listeners to know, that means essentially they're not going to be legislating as long as they are. There's long sessions, there's short sessions. So you get less bills to push through, you get all these things. What are going to be some of your priorities as a senator, as, as somebody that's trying to craft and create laws and build, you know, uh, teams and stuff like that? What, what are you going to try to work on? Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely advantages of being in a short session. You don't have to deal with the budget and, um, you know, you're, you, you can focus on uh, a couple of you know, specific issues. One, a couple of mine are um, education the environment, uh, and really uh, helping our workforce. So, um, you know, we're going to have a lot of uh, federal money that's going to be pouring into Northwest Indiana because of uh, both, you know, opportunities from the Ready Grant, uh, the infrastructure bill. Um, you know, these are things that we've got to, you know, I've got to give major kudos to uh, Congressman Mervan for, for really working hard to bring those home. I think he and Andre Carson were the only two that had actually voted for that in Indiana um, out of the uh, out of the House. So, Having that money come to Northwest Indiana is going to create generational jobs, and as part of that, um, you know, I'm going to be taking on a bill that is something that was uh, what Senator Italian had tried to do, which was uh, update our workers' comp rates. So if our if our workers are getting hurt on the job, they need to be make they, we need to make sure that they can still support their families at home. So updating those rates that haven't been updated since about 2016, uh, that's a major uh, you know one of my major uh, uh, legislative efforts. In addition to that, um, as far as education, um, you know, we're you know, with the worker shortage that we're seeing, you know, our school districts are not immune to that. So, as part of that, you're seeing you know some districts don't even have bus drivers. You have kids that are going back virtual, which nobody really likes. That nobody likes the idea of our kids learning virtually, being at home. Us as is people that are you know as, as employees having to find out oh, okay well how am I supposed to navigate this um, but that the fact of the matter is is you have districts that can't find bus drivers you have districts that don't have student aids you have districts that are having uh, a hard time keeping people that are uh, working in our cafeterias our food, food service workers so 
you know, going not into this being a budget year, but, but year, but the following year, uh, one of my uh, legislative priorities is trying to start an interim uh, study committee to, to make the determination as to, um, you know, what these you know, what these uh, non-teacher educational professionals are making, what hours they're working, um, what benefits they're receiving, in order to kind of formulate how we can approach that from a in a budget year. So study it first. Then in a budget year, say, okay, well, you know, what can we do for these school districts in order to help them retain these workers? So, yeah, I know for my kids right now, um, th their bus driver must be out right now, and the school then all week has said, uh, your children will get picked up two hours later because all the buses have to go through, and then and then also they'll stay at the school two hours later because, and then once the buses drop off, everyone else will send another bus back through, and then they'll do the route for that, which is again problematic, right? And, yeah. Um, but um, one of the other issues. I want to talk about in our brief time that we have left is a topic that many of our listeners, Republican, Democrats, independents all over have been interested on. And I know it's a topic, uh, you know, based, it's a very location based topic, right? Here we are in the corner of uh, Indiana between Illinois and Michigan, yep. states that have legalized marijuana, um, states that are uh, making money off the legalization of marijuana, um, but also, again, not seeing a lot of the maybe higher crime rates, these kind of things. We talked before on our radio show here, on our listeners are pretty astute on this, that 60% of the visitorship of um, dispensaries on the Michigan-Indiana line come from Hoosiers. Yep. Oh, yeah. So what are you, what is your thoughts on on that? I know Senator Talian had some very strong opinions on that, but where are you at on that? Well, I, I mean, I'll put it this way. I, I come from a criminal justice background. That, that was what I first got into uh, from you know, after I graduated from law school. So you kind of I, I definitely would see the impact that, you know, uh, individuals that had been through the criminal justice system. And a lot of times you would see their first arrest was something for marijuana. And the longer that individuals stay in the criminal justice system, the harder it is for them to get out of it. So from the criminal justice aspect of it and when we're looking at other states where um, you know these things have been legalized um, you're, you're taking an illicit market uh, what is now currently an illicit market I mean we can't fool ourselves it's not as if you know cannabis isn't in the state of Indiana and hasn't been forever I've heard rumors yeah yeah, yeah. I mean it ha it's been here and you're seeing what these other states have moved past this era of reefer madness uh, scare of, of you know what the you know what that would do um, you know the, the prohibition on that I think has been you know really only to the benefit of an illicit market um, you know with with how other states have approached it where they're creating jobs they're creating revenue they're regulating it um, and you know they're taking it out of that illicit market they're seeing all the benefits and we're sitting here spending taxpayer money to put people through the criminal justice system you know to put you know push their lives back to hurt you know to, in a lot of ways hurting a lot of the communities in which um, you know individuals may be picked up for you know small possession to get put into the pipeline and then you know from there on it's harder for them to get jobs it's harder for them to do you know to live their life so um, you know, what the benefit of Indiana kind of being behind the times is we've been able to see what has worked in other, in other um, states. And, you know, we, we looking at, for example, Alabama, Alabama as being one of the most conservative states in the union has even passed a medicinal uh, measure. So it's really time that we, we make sure that we're... Are, are you suggesting we're now behind on Alabama? <laughs> I'm not saying we're behind on Alabama, but what I am saying is, is you know, it, when, when you see Alabama kind of, you know, moving... Moving forward, while we're 
kind of twiddling our thumbs. It, it, to me, it's not a matter of when or, or you know or if. It's really a matter of when. And I think if we, the longer we wait, you know, if we're waiting for the for the feds to move on that, um, what all we're going to end up doing is ensuring that us as an ag- agricultural state misses out on an agricultural industry. I mean, why would I, you know, start a uh, an industry in Indiana and create jobs and, and revenue when I can just open up a dispensary and and, and you know. Uh, ship everything in from Illinois, Michigan, or even Canada. Canada has a massive, you know, market. So, um, you know, really, we're just kind of twiddling our thumbs and, and biding our time. But it's really going to be much difficult for us in the in the long run to actually see some of the benefits these other states are actually reaping. So, All right, my final question for you um, is this one um, because I'm, I'm I'm personally interested in this. We've obviously had a couple instances here in the last six to eight to twelve months with, um, and you said you've got uh, family members that have worked at the steel mill with some pollutants going into Lake Michigan, these kind of things. Um, you, you've talked, I think you do represent your, the state senator for Burns Harbor. Yep. So, um, so obviously, I'm sure you're leveraging this idea that these are good paying jobs, these are good good wages, they're, they're union wages, these kind of things. Yet, also, what kind of responsibility do we have to our, our one of our most important environmental assets, our watershed, these kind of things? So, what's your thoughts on those? Oh, absolutely. I mean, my district is the the only district that has a national park in 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 the district, and you know, for the Senate districts, and it's it's just. It's absolutely a top priority for me um, as far as ensuring that we are uh, requiring all, all of our industry along the lakeshore and, and really throughout the district that they are complying with the, you know, with the uh, environmental regulations as, as, as best as possible. You know, we, we can't settle for, okay, well, we're sorry about this. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens next time. So I do have one bill in particular that, is, that addresses coal ash, which pertains to uh, the burning of coal that, that a lot of our, you know, our utilities, uh, you know, that's what they deal with. They also store there and then you know as a result of that that can leach into the water you know either the water table floodplains and 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 as you had stated are one of our obviously most precious commodities is fresh water um i grew up in an area that was heavily you know heavily industrial area in east chicago indiana when i was very young and and that was always a concern that my i remember my mom having she was a uh she's a special education teacher and she would constantly say you know our rates of special education here in northwest indiana particularly in east chicago in this industrial area is vastly exceeding uh, you know, educate or the special uh, needs uh, rates in, in other areas, particularly throughout Indiana. And, you know, she would attribute that obviously to the industrial pollution there. So, you know, making sure that our our partners in industry are good environmental stewards is going to be very, very high on my, uh, you know, on my radar. And, and I know that uh, Representative Boy, uh, it's very, very high on hers as well. And I really love working with her. I've gotten to know her quite a bit over the last couple of months. And, you know, I'm learning a lot from her. I'm learning a lot from the groups that she runs with. And uh, so, so yeah, it's actually, it's very, very exciting to be on the you know, in, in, in a position where you can really start to try and move the needle in the right direction in our state, because really for the longest time, it's kind of been a laissez-faire approach to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, environmental regulation. All right. We've got a couple of minutes. Let's get to some callers. you got some uh, voters on here and, and some people that, are, that you represent, and I'm sure they'd love to hear from you. All right. Hello. What's your uh, question? You've got Rodney Paul Jr. here. Uh, for 15 minutes, so I really want to go back to the first question. Uh, I give the same answer to the people talking about the troubles in the report that Dennis Sodell gave a guy when he called his program. He said, what's going on? Let's get to another uh, a caller that actually has a question for Rodney Paul Jr. while we got you. All right, you've got uh, Rodney Paul Jr. here. What's your question for the state senator? Yeah, I'd like to uh, 
I'd like to ask him <clears throat> straight out. I think he's living in a in a different land. If thinks this mar- if marijuana in Indiana is the way to do that, to me, that's not the way to do it. If they want to correct some of it, get get after the judicial system to lighten up the sentence. If that's what they want to do, but uh, we don't need to legalize that in Indiana. If you just open your eyes up and look at the other states legalized it, they've got a lot of problems in the other states. But people are not looking at that. These politicians are looking at money, money, money. And that money is not going to benefit us at all. We all know that doesn't really work that way. All right. Uh, Yeah, so obviously you're you're a senator as well, but you're a lawyer. So make your case for why you think Indiana needs to progress their views on, on marijuana legalization. Well, I think that, you know, really allowing it to, to remain in the in, in an illicit market will, you know, un, undoubtedly just continue to, uh, you know, feed that market for it, uh, you know, and, and with that, you, you, you bring in all kinds of other crime. Um, you know, I don't think that anybody's sitting here saying, well, when we legalized alcohol, it, it opened the floodgates for crime in Indiana. Um, I don't think that that's, you know, the case at all. Um, what you saw before prohibition of alcohol, you know, a, you know, during prohibition of uh, of alcohol, you saw you know obviously a lot of the underworld that had taken taken root in that, but um, but you know to to I, I'm actually seeing quite quite the opposite effect in a lot of these other states where um, you know going through you know legalizing measures and regulating from that standpoint uh, have reduced crime you know or violent crimes in particular um, you know. I, yeah, being a city attorney in, in the city of Gary, you know, we see a number of issues and I've talk, had a number of conversations with public safety and they, you know, they're, they're, they're on the same, a lot of them are on the same page. I can't say that the public safety across the board is on the same page, but a lot of them see the value in the idea that if you take that out of the market, you're going to see less, you know, less individual robberies and crimes and things of that nature. Um, you know, for example, I know we had one teacher in, in Portage, Indiana, that was murdered over, you know, while trying to buy a little bit of marijuana from, you know, from, uh, from somebody. And then they ended up dumping her body over in, in, uh, in at Norton school in Gary, Indiana. Uh, and so it's things like that where it's kind of like, well, sure. you know, you're going to see that, uh, that crime I think will, will actually reduce. All right, let's get to our final caller of the day. Thanks so much for waiting. Thanks for calling. What's your question for Rodney Paul Jr.? Good afternoon, sir, and thank you for coming on. Uh, my question, I have two questions, sir. One, what is your take on this political circus we've got going on here with Mrozinski and Friedman and what just currently happened? And my second question, as a farmer who is involved with a lot of livestock producers, uh, we are, have, have had more complaints about manure this year than probably the last 25 or 30 years that we can think of. And when a farmer has a livestock facility, they have to have a specially constructed and inspected facility to store that manure, but yet sewage is being brought into our community and dumped anywhere they want. Those are the black piles, if any of you have been seeing them scared about the county, that is actually sewage. And that's what's your take, because if you're environmentally concerned about, like the mills and that, I'd like to know what your take on both of those. Thank you. Thanks so much for calling. Yeah, um, to to your first question, um, you know, I'm familiar with the situation just generally. I don't, you know, I have have yet to meet a lot of the personalities uh, that are involved. Um, Personalities is a great word for it, by the way. Okay, (laughs) I'll take your word for that. Um, I will say this, I think you have a fantastic leadership in the Democratic Party here with Dr. Cora, or sorry, Dr. Cora. He is, uh, you know, 
he's he's somebody that you know in, in discussing having a lot of discussions with him about the politics in lake county you know he's he's definitely been a big proponent of moving past a lot of the uh the culture wars a lot of the uh you know a lot of the internal squabbling and getting straight to you know what what are we going to do for the citizens both in laporte county and the region in general um you know him he approaches things as a doctor not as a politician and it's been fantastic to see you know kind of his approach to a lot of um, you know a lot of the issues that you guys are facing, and, you know, and and how to build the party out here. It's actually been really, really refreshing. Um, you know to see his approach to that. I mean, I think most of the time when you're seeing party leaders, um, you know that's it's something that they can get dragged into. But he's he's obviously not been that way, and it's been fantastic to work with him. As to the other issue, I'm not necessarily familiar with that. I'd like to learn a little bit more about that. Um, but um, but yeah. So how, so how can he get a hold of you if he if he wants to? Great, great question. So um, you can get a hold of me uh, through uh, e- e- email is probably the easiest way. Um, you know, I, my uh, my send it emails s four at iga dot g or dot in dot gov. So that's again that's s four at iga dot in dot gov. Um, you know, and then uh, I'll give out my my uh, my other email as well. It's Rodney Pohl, P O L J R as in Junior for the number four district four at gmail.com so that's the uh, that's you can contact me at either one of those uh and, and send me any information that you think i should be aware of so thank you very much and you're on twitter you're on facebook you're all oh, facebook, find those things too right? yes yeah you can find me on facebook you can message me, message me on facebook um you know yeah and yeah, you always forget about the that other part of our lives that we you know that we live online well i want to thank you so much for being on the show i want to thank you so much for listening i appreciate uh, all of our callers today and thanks for being patient with us as we uh worked out the uh the snafu at the beginning hey we're going to be back we've got another show on monday we're not going to be here next friday but on monday i think i've got um maybe mayor dermody i think um, I know Sheila Matisse is coming on as well soon. So uh, some exciting shows. I'm sure we'll talk about some of these more exciting topics then too. Hey, keep listening to 96.7 The Eagle and be good to yourself and be good to others. Thank you for joining us and voicing your opinion on this edition of Sound Off. The views on Sound Off are those of the host or callers and do not represent the opinion of 96.7 The Eagle, Spoon River Media LLC, or the sponsors. Sound Off airs every Monday and Friday at 12.30. Please mark your calendar and join us again for the next edition of Sound Off on 96.7 The Eagle.